You're listening to Trucking Questions from the Audio Road with Kevin Rutherford. This is the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. You can ask questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, tax, technology, or anything else about the business of trucking. Here we go. Let's head on down the audio road. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. We take your calls and answer your questions about trucks, money, fuel mileage, maintenance, tires, taxes, technology, health and fitness on the road, getting started as an owner-operator, finding freight, working with brokers, getting your authority. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. And today is the power hour. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance, engines, performance, troubleshooting, fuel mileage, upgrades, modifications, you name it. And, of course, joining me from Pittsburgh Power, we've got Ethan and John today. Hey, guys, I understand uh, Bruce is on a plane. He is on an airplane on his way to Louisville, so he's going to beat you there. He, he probably will beat us there. We're still about seven hours out. We just uh, came through Kansas okay. City a little while ago. We're heading out tonight. Myself and Pete and Sean are going from the shop, so we're gonna we're gonna pull out of here at about three thirty, and uh, we're gonna go two thirds ah. of the way or so tonight, and then we'll see you guys in the morning. Sounds like a plan. I need to get in tomorrow and get a day down and get ready. I've got like seven seminars in three days. Wow. So we won't we won't yeah. see much of you then, huh? Uh, no. Not not a whole lot. Um, <laughs> I'll get over there though. I'll spend some time in that area. Well, I, I have yeah, let's seminars. make sure we grab dinner or something tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, we'll get something done. I have seminars first thing in the morning every day at ten o'clock, right when the show opens, and then two in the afternoon every day. So I've got everything in between, and then one day I've got a seminar at like at the very end of the show on Friday at like four fifteen. So I'll have the middle of the day. I'll be over in that area. Okay. So cool. what's uh, what, what's new and exciting today? Uh, we are. I've been busy prepping for the show right now. Uh, I've got my little display model of my uh, my Soot Cyclone uh, ready to show off. We've got our uh, our patent stuff all in place now. So I've got a little PowerPoint display, and I've got a display unit to bring along. That's kind of kept me busy for a few days. And uh, last week, remember, we talked about my going to the uh, NACFI. Uh, seminar last week, which was really interesting. So I'll give you guys a quick rundown on that. And I don't know what Ethan got anything uh, yeah. interesting. No, it's been a little, little slower in the shop for us actually. Just catching up on little things. Okay. But hey, here the uh, the quick rundown on the uh, the NACFI conference, which was really, really a cool deal. Um, yeah, I encourage some of you guys to look into these uh, to, to these guys. Uh, they do a lot of research. They, uh, you know, kind of promote proven technologies and mods and so forth. And that's it's kind of a neat, neat take. But the uh, the workshop itself was a really neat talk from uh, Mike Roth. Uh, it started off with, and then uh, they had a speaker from Cummins. Uh, you know, mostly on modern stuff. Uh, some stuff that's not completely in our world yet, but will be uh, a lot on GHG too. 
which uh, Cummins believes is still going to be uh, on the docket. It's not going to go anywhere, even with the current administration. And in fact, she said they don't want it to. They said it'll make it difficult for them to complete, compete globally if uh, they back up on some of our, our regs. Uh, so they uh, and they seem to have a handle on it. Like they they believe they could uh, reach the numbers and they don't have a problem with it at all. And uh, a fellow named Kenny Veith. Do you know Kenny? A company called ACT Research. No, that doesn't gave sound a really familiar. Neat... He's a seemed to be more of an economist uh, than a truck guy, but he, he all of his economic modeling and stuff that he does is based on truck sales and how many used trucks are on the road and being moved. And, you know, he really has some really cool economic indicators based upon, uh, you know, goods moving around and uh, some really, really cool, you know, slides with, with graphs and, and, and heat maps and things. And it was, it was an interesting, interesting talk. And they did a little round table after that with uh, Cummins, with Kenny again and Cummins and uh, Daryl Bayer. He's a fellow that I'd, we'd talked about, oh, I don't know, some months ago that has the company called Inometric Testing, where he will oh, yeah. you go to your fleet and and instrument your truck and, and do some work there. And as it turns out, I, you know, he came roundabout through uh, my friend Steve that works at Smart Truck Arrow, asked if I knew him, and I didn't think that I did. And as it turns out, he and I have been racing against each other in the series that I do the weekend engineering for for the last five or six years. Um, you know, we've been competitors on different teams in the same series, and he does exactly what I do. He does fly-in work, and he happens to be the COO at Mesilla Valley Transport now and their lead engineer. So oh. he's in charge of efficiency for the fleet there. So he's forever testing, you know, rolling low rolling resistance, you name it, uh, different arrow kits and, and so forth. And he does it in the same manner that we do our race car engineering. He, he'll outfit a truck with some, some data equipment, send it out for a couple of days or for a test loop of some sort. And he's also got some simulation software that he uses and assesses whether, you know, a, a mod or, you know, a product is, is worth uh, worth putting on the truck. And for a fleet of that size uh, that uses primarily new trucks, uh, a mod or, or anything that you do for it's got to amortize itself, and he shoots for a year. Um, a lot of guys will tell you, say 18 months in that situation, but he shoots for a year, and they plan on only keeping their trucks for three years. So the you know, trucks get to be three years old, they move them along, but he is full-time looking for efficiency, and he's got their corporate, their, their, their fleet average, I believe, above eight and a half which is insanely good. So I, I thought that was really yeah. interesting. And he and I are going to correspond some more. And I'd like to maybe drag him out to the uh, CMC in the fall. We'll see if, uh, if he's, he's interested in doing that. But really interesting guy. And a lot to be yeah, learned. That, a whole lot awesome. to be learned. Yeah, it'd be yeah. great to have him but, at the uh, CMC. You know, the the thing about NACV that I loved was all through like the 2000s was when I was really doing the heaviest testing. I, I still had my trucks on the road and it, you know, from late nineties through the early two thousands into the late two thousands was when I was really focused on fuel economy. It was the thing I was doing all the time. I was always testing stuff uh, similar to what he's doing over at Messiah Valley. I was just doing it on a smaller scale with three trucks and some of what I thought were the best technologies, I got so much pushback from the industry. Wide singles. People were calling me an idiot because I was 
you know, promoting wide singles in the early 2000s because we had tested them and, and there was a huge difference in rolling resistance then. Now you've got some dual tires that are coming pretty close. But back then, the, the wide singles, uh, Michelin's wide single was just beating every other tire on the market by two and three tenths of a mile per gallon. And then um, we did our first six by two and we got all kinds of flack about that. And um, trailer aerodynamics, when we started with Smart Truck, we got all kinds of pushback. The interesting thing was those were like the first three technologies that NACV verified that these actually work and these will be the first things that the fleets will start to adopt. And sure enough, that's kind of what's happened. You've seen fleets now with six by twos, with wide singles, obviously trailer aerodynamics are everywhere. But just imagine the value of a guy like that at a, at a company as big as Masia. I'm not sure exactly how many trucks they have, but it's a lot. You probably know better than I. You know, if he takes the corporate average up two miles per gallon, think, think of the money. I mean, just just do the money on one truck. But you know, if you get upwards of uh, you know, I think they're in the four digits in trucks. I mean, that that's crazy. Are you there? Hello? There we go. Did we, we go. lose him? Hello? All right. I mean, uh, well, yeah, you, faded, you faded away on us. Did we go away? Were we live or and you gone or were, were we all gone? You, you were live. It was me. I think I've a, uh, I think my headset <laughs> actually got a bad connection. Can you guys hear me now? We hear you now. We hear you just fine. Yeah. Yeah. We, we can okay, hear you. Okay. Good. All right. But, uh, all right. So, so yeah, it's just I, imagine, I you know, you said the guy Go his value at the Sea Valley. It, it's in the millions of dollars. I, I would say he is millions one of, of the dollars. most yeah. valuable employees they have. Yeah, and I spent by, about by a far. decade. Yep. I spent about a decade trying to convince fleets that they should all have somebody like him. That that's their only job is fuel economy in the fleet, and they're they're unusual to have somebody like that. It's almost unheard of in the industry, and I've never understood why. Well, he's done it. And if, you know, I listened to your struggles that you had uh, years ago, you know, with the industry accepting some of the things and then drivers and so forth. Guys like Daryl, myself, you know, all that matters is what the stopwatch says. You know, I might do something unconventional yeah. on the setup. I might run toe out in the rear instead of toe in. And everybody look at me like I'm crazy. Oh, you can't do that. And all the cars just go one around and won the race. Like, well, who's to say I can't do that? You know. So it's, uh, you know. So for people like us, it's pretty. It's pretty black and white. If if the data says it's good, it's good. You know. It's uh, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. That. So it's, that it's was it. Pretty that was my fuel mileage testing. If, if we could get a positive result seventy percent of the time, that was good. So, all right, I'm going to get to a break, and then we're going to come back. We're going to get right to your calls and questions. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rothker.
Welcome, Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me, and we're going to get to some phone calls. We're going to start off in, well, we've got a bunch of them today. Let's start in Las Vegas. Reyes, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me, gentlemen. First time caller, and I love your show, Kevin. Well, great to have you here. What can we help you with today? Um, I got a question that I haven't been able to get an answer from, from, from Kenworth or Cummings or anybody. Uh, I, unfortunately, I have to have a carb-compliant truck, and I have a, uh, a 2013 Cummings ISX. Does, does anybody have a mileage interval uh, preventative maintenance for all the sensors on the motor as opposed, you know, to replace them on a preventive maintenance schedule as opposed to when they go out and leave you broke on the side of the road. We, we've come up with our own. I think there is some stuff in print, uh, if you read deep, pretty pretty far into uh, the maintenance on the truck on Insight, they, they do give you some clues, but it's not very well written. The uh, Our, our rule on it is 250,000 miles, and that's not necessarily just, just change everything at two at 250, but if you pull the sensors and the doser valves off and clean them, uh, what we do is we, we ultrasonically clean all those, and they usually, that gets them another life. You don't necessarily have to just go ahead and replace them, because the, the real issue with them is carbon fouling, so they just get uh, carbon all over them. That intake manifold uh, pressure and temperature sensor gets coated in carbon, and uh, then it reads improperly, and then it doses something wrong, and then that leads to more regen, so the, the whole thing can snowball when these things get dirtied up. So about once every 250, you want to pull all that stuff off, clean it, all the little tubes that go to the differential differential pressure switches, the pressure switches, uh, and just check everything out. And there's, uh, it's called the decomp tube, which is where the DEF sprays and mixes with the exhaust. Uh, if the DEF doser gets a little dirty, it doesn't atomize properly, and you get a buildup of a, almost uh, looks like calcium in there, a white uh, substance just builds up inside of there. and and impedes flow and then creates more regens and creates more problems. So our general rule on it is to go through the whole system uh, every quarter of a million, and you should run trouble-free. Uh, that's not to say that you're not going to have a sensor fail here or there. It's gonna, it could happen. Uh, or a little little uh, silicon hose that goes to one of the differential, differential pressure sensors may crack or something. But uh, generally, if you take the stuff off, look at it, clean it, put it back on every quarter of a million, you're good to go. Okay, and then... Is that also part of what Pittsburgh Power does on your, um, I call it a flush, but where you guys go through and kind of do a flush and a cleaning of the whole system? That's it. Yeah, yeah. It's not a flush. That's, that's exactly what I just described to you. That's our, I pretty much described our whole procedure for our uh, EGR and after treatment maintenance. Now, is that so we still do that, only we do that being done in Pittsburgh Power? Well, I'll tell you, I've shared our procedure for that with one of our remote tuners, and I don't, I don't have the info in front of me as which one I've done that with. But uh, uh, we're trying to get some of the shops that we do our remote tuning through. We're going to share our. Uh, we rewrote up a little booklet on how to do that, and uh, we're going to share it with those guys. Uh, so you may, um, depending on where you are, where you, where you travel a lot, I might be able to find one of our 
uh, remote tuners. Uh, it might be something T&E would be interested in. I'm not sure. I've not shared that info with them, but maybe they would be interested. Uh, we could find someone somewhere that might be interested in doing it for you. Awesome. Then I here. could give you guys a call. Yeah, yeah but could the closest I'm ever going to get to you is Houston. Because <laughs> when we do so, the when we do the tuning on those, we uh, you know we keep everything functional, all the, all the emission controls function, but we uh, we eliminate some of those D rates and we you know make make it a little more user friendly for you. So you're still going to get a right, check engine right. something's wrong. It's 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 going to it's going to get mad if something's not right, but uh, it's not going to put you on the side of the road after we're done with it. So it'd be worth your while awesome. trying to find a load here. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> I wish I could, but if not, I'll All bobtail right. there. But um, I have a question for Kevin. Okay. Sure, go ahead. Hey, Kevin, um, I always hear you. I, I mean, I, uh, I, it's been almost 20 years. This is the first truck I've bought in almost 20 years. I, I became a, a company driver and, and just kind of got out of it, but... You know, it's like learning it all over again um, in my 34 years out here. Um, I hear you talking about gear ratios, and, and I, I get a little confused because I don't quite know what you're talking about. And what I have right now on this, uh, I have a 2013 T660 Kenworth. Uh, it's got the ISX 15 ST. I guess they call it a smart torque at 450 horse. Um, love it. Runs great. Um, but I have a, the 264 rears with a 10 speed. Would I, and it pulls great, but there's just such a big gap between 8th and 9th and 9th and 10th when I run in, you know, like Utah, Oregon, Washington, climbing the hills. Right. Um, right. What would I gain, and would it be beneficial for me to change this over to a 13? Uh, it, it would be beneficial because you would gain that gear in between, so you wouldn't feel that big jump that you're feeling. Although, um, John, what do you think about this idea instead? Transmissions are really expensive to replace, and one of the ways around that problem is more horsepower. Um, John, what do you think about just oh, a really good tune-up? I'm, I'm always see if that. We're really trying. We're, we're really trying to get this guy to bobtail to Pittsburgh, aren't we? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, that more horsepower would be ideal. You wouldn't have to drop that gear, and it wouldn't be a, quite as offensive. Uh, the, the drop between the gear wouldn't be. Uh, I think it'd be a logical step between, uh, you know, changing the, you know, before changing the transmission. I'd like to see both. I like the 13 speed. I like being able to split those top three gears, and you know, the smaller drops yeah. do are beneficial. Then you have, you know, obviously more control over your RPM then. But uh, yeah, tune would definitely help you with that. We can. Uh, that's only a 450. We could take you to our basic tune on that gets you about 590 uh, to the ground and what 1800 pound feet of torque, 1900 pound feet of torque. Yeah, between 18 and 2000. Yeah, and just shy, just shy of 600 horsepower to the ground. And at that point, you really don't need it very much. Is that um, also go for the? Because uh, I had another uh, people look at it, and they said the serial number on this engine is the lower horsepower uh, motor that uh, they're saying can't be taken up to that. Does that make a big difference or on the remote tuning well, or no? Yeah, we can take it to that or, or close. I mean, yours may just go do 575 or 590. 
that lower horse engine has that's a slightly smaller turbo, right? It doesn't support as much horsepower as the a little. There's a few the differences other. in there. Yeah, but I mean, um, uh, you know, the injectors are big enough. The compression ratio is right. The timing's right. We're not going to hurt anything by doing it. So, uh, yeah, I think that you're uh, you're you're fine to tune it. Uh, so that's not a, obviously that's not a factory file we're putting in there. So. They were say a Cummins dealer wouldn't do it, probably because all the pieces weren't there that should be there for the 600 horse or five. What's the biggest one they make now? Gotcha. Uh, they have a. Yeah. They have a 600, I believe. They now. have a 600, yeah. 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 So your your turbo slightly smaller, and there are a couple of other small differences, but uh, it's still you know undersized. Uh, you know, for you know those of us in the aftermarket will, will get by with it just fine, but the, the Cummins dealer wouldn't do it. Well, gentlemen, we'll just make it simple. It looks like I'll be bobtailing the pits first. <laughs> sounds there you good. Go. Look that, forward that, to seeing you. That, that sounds like that sounds like a plan. And, and again, I'm with John. The 13 speed is wonderful. It really is nice to have those gears. But you know, it's a eight to ten thousand dollar change sometimes. And I would do the tune first because the tune is awesome. And you may just find that with enough horsepower and torque, you just don't mind. Um, that drop, for one, you're not going to do it as often. Uh, and when you do, it just works better when you've got that extra torque. Let's go to Texas. Landon, welcome to the program. Yes, good afternoon. Got a question for you guys. Um, on my Series 60 Detroit, what should the exhaust temperature be uh, reading right after the turbo in the first four to six inches? In the exhaust pipe, you'll want to keep that under a thousand there. You know, a thousand is about as high as you ever want to see there. Okay, all right. What? And I'd heard that, but it was confusing me when I looked at the factory gauge. It uh, was red from 1,200 up, and I'm thinking, wow, that that seems like uh, might be a little bit high. I didn't know for sure. That would but be fitting if pull, it were in the. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that would be fitting if it were pull, in the. I have a side. hard time. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I pulling a long grade. I have to back out of it, um, you know, to keep it down under a thousand. So, and maybe I just need to to back off the power a little bit. Um, it's set up for around six and uh, 2,100 feet of torque. So okay. is, am I just, just going to have to watch it? Not get my uh, foot keep it, keep it an eye on it. On a long... Let's make sure you've got a, uh, let's make sure you've got a, uh, no, you've got no uh, boost leaks. You, know, you make sure your charger cooler is nice and tight. And I don't know if you've checked it for boost leaks recently, but you want to make sure that's good. And do you still have a stock turbo on this or do you have a larger turbo? Uh, let, let, let's get to a break. We'll come right back, and we'll finish this question up right after this. Don't go away. We've got more stuff right around the corner. I'm Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me, and we're going to get right back to the phone calls. Let's see. We were talking to, boy, the lines are just loaded today. Landon in Texas. All right, guys, go ahead. Okay. All right, hey, Landon. Um, I was, uh, yeah, go ahead. I was curious to see which turbo you had on this, if you're making that kind of power. The turbo is a Borg Warner one seven two seven four three. I'm I know that's not the one that a lot of people talk about. Uh, so be I real honest with you, I'm not sure if that's good or bad. I, I can't answer that either. I don't know enough about those Borg Warner part numbers. But uh, yeah, so make sure it's what kind of boost does it make? How much boost pressure does it make? Oh, it it's forty two, forty three. Okay. Uh, and I did get a smoke test recently uh, at T&E, and it's, uh, we had an intake gasket leak, but that's taken care of now, so it should be good. All right, yeah, I'd, I'd continue to pedal a little, little bit or, or get it cut back just a touch. And uh, I'd, like, okay. I'd like to do some more research on that turbo to see if, uh, if that's bigger or smaller than the one we're used to, used to dealing with there. So uh, just yeah. make sure you have enough turbo on it. Um, my understanding from the shop where I got it was it does a little better on the uh, jig brake side and uh, a little torque a little lower, so I'm right. guessing it might be a little smaller. Um, yeah, it might be a little on the small side for the amount of fuel you've got there, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just trying to get a handle on it, so I... Um, but I'm gonna, as long as I keep a close eye on it, it's okay. But uh, I thought, is that normal? <laughs> yeah, that's normal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Thank thanks. You. For the call, let's head off to Georgia this time. Marco, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a Detroit 60 uh, series, 12.7. So. 2002, and um, I started about a couple of weeks ago. I started having an issue. It just happens. It started happening in the morning after the truck's been shut off all overnight. It would stall out a little bit uh, when I started, and once I gave it fuel, it would go away, and it wouldn't do it anymore throughout the day. Took it to the mechanic. He changed. Uh, he thought it was the the valves, the check valves for the filter lines for the fuel lines. And um, he says when he took out the to replace the one going into the fuel filter, there was a little bit of coolant there. And uh, told me to watch it. Now, it'll do it once, and it'll go three, four, five days without doing it, and then it'll do it again. And like I said, I, I'll have a little bit of fuel, I mean, a coolant in the, in the fuel line there. Do you have any idea hmm. what it could be here? Uh, the only place you get that kind of that type of cross contamination would be if you've got a. Uh, I've seen a cracked cylinder head on a Detroit too that where it leaks water from the water jacket into the galley for the fuel in the cylinder head, or if you, you've got a heated uh, some sort of a heated fuel water separator, like if you got a Davco that's got. Uh, got water heating. Now, if it's got coolant lines going to it, you might want to bypass those for a quick test to make sure that's not it. 
Yeah, but there are only only two. There are only a couple places you could you could find that kind of cross contamination on the Detroit. So you think it could be a small crack, uh, small leak on the, the on cylinder the head, or if you've got a if you've got a heated fuel water separator, that could do it too. Okay. He, yeah, he thought it was probably just a small small leak, and that's why I only get it you know, on occasions. He thought I would just wait until it gets worse. Is that a bad idea? No, I'd wait for it to get worse. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't freak out about it yet. Uh, keep an eye on it. Watch for fuel in the uh, – you'll get it both ways. You're going to end up with fuel in the coolant as well because uh, you've got higher, you've got higher uh, fuel pressure than you have coolant pressure. So keep an eye on the top of your uh, expansion tank your fill tank on there and you see if you start seeing some rainbows on top of a little fuel floating around there you're gonna then you'll know it's time to do something okay all right uh, where's your booth going to be at the show i'm heading to the show too i am not sure what number our booth is do you know ethan i do not know um, I'll, I'll know when i get there i think it's the same spot as last year kevin do you know you have the uh the layout in front of you i don't have the booth number but i can tell you it's in the west wing and it would be in the, let me get my bearings straight, it's in the north east corner of the west wing. So that's the same corner we were in last year, right? Okay. Yes. Yep. All right. I'll I'll look for you guys. Okay. Thanks again. Thank you guys for what you did. You're You're welcome. Thank you. Let's see. We are off to Indiana. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey guys, I got a DXS Acer Cat. Um, I just got a Pittsburgh Power Box, but it's a used one, and it's supposed to be for the DXS. Now I've had it single turboed. Will that have any any bearing on anything with the box? Since uh, I single turboed it. No, no. Okay, it doesn't know what, how many turbos are on there. All right. Well, what I'm having now is before, every once in a while, if you was on a hard pole up around 15, 14, 1500, it would like cough and it'd puff out black smoke. But that was only when it's like it'd be running real good that day. Well, now that I got the box on, I can do it bobtailing. It'll, it'll like cough through the, like if you let off the, the accelerator too fast. And that's what it does, but I'm under power when it does it. Is that maybe the turbo too small, or what What the hell would be causing it? Yeah, I'm going to go with turbo too small. It's a turbo surge. It's uh, hard to make up the amount of air that those uh, A-certs put out with, the, with those two turbos. Uh, what yeah. you're going to find, you've probably got the small, you've probably got the regular HP turbo on that. Uh, you go up to the... What we call the HP 2.5, and other other people sell the same turbo with different names, but the the big one, you're going to find then it's going to have some lag and not quite the top. It'll have have a lot of top end. It might not have the torque, and it'll have a little bit of lag, and you'll get a little bit of smoke from it, but you won't have the cough or the turbo surge any longer. Uh, we're working on a turbo that fits right between those two. We've got one test truck out with it right now. It's working really well. But uh, that's a compromise that you have uh, going from the from the twins to the single turbo. Uh, you know, the big yeah. one's a little too is, big, the small it, one's a little too small. Is that going to hurt anything when it does that? Because, I mean, when it does, it's like I just blowed the whole motor up and I automatically just let off the fuel 
So, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's a hell of a noise. It's, it's kind of scary. Eventually, eventually it's going to snap the, uh, it's going to break the turbo shaft. So, well, that'll happen. Yeah. You'll, you'll either explode a wheel or break the shaft in the turbo. Yeah, it's quite violent. I've right. I, I did it on the dyno one time, and <laughs> it took me a second to figure out what it was. Because all of a sudden, oh, you're yeah, it, and it just turns off. Yeah, it just, yep. you know, automatically want to pull over. So, okay, well, I appreciate yeah. it. Yep. That's all I had. Hey, them injectors right. I got from you about three weeks ago, they're working out real well. Uh, okay, you got the Delphi's? Yeah, yeah. I just the, got them in a couple terrific. weeks ago, and yeah, they're working good. So I appreciate I, it. I think they work. I think they work better than the factory stuff. I really do. Uh, super smooth. Well, so far, they're the idles really nice and smooth. Good. Yeah, it's it's it ran a lot better as soon as I put them in. So. Good deal. Good well, job. hey, we can piece one of those. We we can piece one of those turbos together for you when you're ready to do it. Give me a call. I've got. Uh, We've got the stuff here to build another one of those. I said we've got out testing right now, which uh, will oh, really? that cough. You got Yeah, you ought to do it before you uh, before you break that turbo shaft. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I may talk to you Friday down there then. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about it. We can put one together for you. Okay. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Hey. Bye. Sounds like a plan. I'm looking at the clock, and it looks like we're going to have to take this into a break. And then we will come back and we'll get right to more of your calls and questions. So stick around. We'll be right back with more stuff. Hey, if you're heading to the Louisville Truck Show, we're on our way. We'll be there. We have our Let's Truck area in the West Wing. I'll also be spending a lot of time in the truckstop.com booth, and I'll be spending a lot of time in seminar room B104. So every day, uh, right at the very open of the show, 10 o'clock, I will be in that seminar room kicking off every day with the seminar. So uh, plan on getting there. That's uh, that's kind of an odd time because people are just kind of showing up, but Every day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'll be there at 10 o'clock right when the show kicks off. And on Thursday, even though it says 10 o'clock is VIP only, you can get into the seminar room without a VIP pass because it's not on the show floor. So I'll see you there. We're going to get to a break. We'll come right back and get some more stuff. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We're uh, heading into the final segment. This is the Power Hour. I've got Ethan and John with me from Pittsburgh Power, and we are heading off to Ohio. Daniel, welcome to the program. It's your turn. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, well, we um, got a 17 Freightliner Cascadia glider 
um, made uh, done by the folks at Harrison. And the muffler they got on here is that one where it goes in and then it kind of yanks out the side. And I was looking at your power muffler. I like it. I just don't know, A, uh, when to change it out for it because I know if I change out to the fleet air filter, it's put more air in, and I want to try and get the air out so it can kind of flow better. Uh, but I don't know. Do you guys make one that hang, hangs left out the side, and do those flow okay? Or uh, they all they all flow pretty well. Uh, they all flow better than stock, so you're going to have an advantage with no matter which one you put on. I am pretty sure you'd have to give a call in here and talk to Sean about the mufflers. He's our muffler specialist. He knows uh, which good ones go on which trucks and, and all the all the data on them. But uh, I know we've done other uh, Cascadias, and yeah, they, everyone's real happy with it. So it's. You know, that's a good one to do in, in concert with the fleet air filter. So more air in, more air out, the, the whole thing works well together. So I highly recommend it. Okay. Well, I got it. It's a, a 500-horse Detroit with the small turbo on there, unfortunately, with the wastegate. Uh, right. I think it was 27.6 or 28.6. I forget the exact number, but that's about as most much uh, boost as it makes before it uh, bleeds off pressure. Um, and uh, Mr. Rutherford, I was uh, I called you a couple weeks ago about an old leak issue. It was not the seal where the front case meets the block, the uh, the boss where the cam sensor goes, just on the other side of the air compressor. It that uh, boss there was actually cracked and it was leaking from there. So they've got a new one on order and they just kind of gooped it up and that was the cause of the problem on that one. Got it. I'm glad you uh, got that figured out. So, all right, let's see if we can knock out a couple more calls here before we've got to get out of here. Let's go to California. Glenn, welcome to the program. Uh, hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, we've got a problem with um, these DD-15s. I've had five of them. I'm a company driver, and about every 12 or 14 months, I get a new truck. They start out by blowing heater hoses, and then uh, then before too long, uh, the water and the fuel light comes on. I stop and look, and the coolant reservoir is full of fuel, and they have to replace the injector cup seals in it. Uh, my question is, uh, is there anything I can do different, maybe let the engine idle longer uh, before I turn it off at the fuel stop or when I get to where I'm going? Do you have any suggestions? No, nah, I really that's the first I've heard. I haven't of this heard one. that before. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no suggestions for that there. And I'll we'll take a look into it, but that's the first I've heard of this happening. Yeah, I mean, so uh, far for all of our yeah. 15 customers, the things are downright bulletproof. I mean, it's uh, that that's a pretty amazing engine. Yeah, I guess I <laughs> I must just got the unlucky ones. I guess like I said, I've had five of them, and three out of the five have done it. Wow. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I, I didn't know. Maybe if uh, you know, because I just turn it off. You know, as soon as I stop, I don't know. Maybe it was getting a hot spot around the injectors, causing those seals to fail, or well, something like you, that. You shouldn't do that anyway, because of the turbo. That's got a fairly small turbo on it. Holds a whole lot of heat and uh, quite a uh -huh. bit of back pressure there. So I would uh, always, always idle it down just a little bit, even if it's 15 or 30 seconds. Uh, oh, what okay. Is, All right. What happens is you stop circulating oil, and, and modern oils are pretty good with temperatures. But you know, say your you know your exhaust temps uh, six, seven, eight hundred degrees, which is way beyond uh, you know what the oil will take. 
and you turn that uh, engine right off so the oil stops circulating through the turbo and it just sits there on the bearing in the shaft and that shaft heat soaks whatever the exhaust temperature was and you end up with carbon buildup in there and you go through turbos. So you're, you okay. know, 15, 30 seconds is enough unless you were just on a hard pull and, uh, you know, do okay, that. always, you. always I let down just a touch. Yep. Just a little bit. Yeah, what what if I was on it? What if I did come in like it was real hot, hot off a hard pull? How long should I let it idle then? I'd give it, I'd give it a minute or two then. Yeah, I always, always give it okay. a little bit. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Let's head off to Ohio. Russ, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Um, got a six NZ cat. Uh, runs. Used to run smooth as silk, and uh, here, oh, about 6,000 miles ago, I developed a vibration at uh, 1,540 RPMs. Not at 1539 or 1540? <laughs> <laughs> well, you beat me the reason I can too. say that is I, is, I, is I have a digital tack, so it goes by tens, and at 30, it's not noticeable, but at 1540, it's definitely noticeable. Checked all the injectors. We've done cylinder cutout test, uh, pulled one injector, floated, put a new one in. It didn't make any difference. Switched back to the old one. Does it do it in every gear? Uh, I don't get a lot of power on the, the bottom years i just i don't uh i noticed it up in uh oh 14 15 16 17 and 18. Uh, so i'm wondering if it's more speed related than it is uh engine related vehicle speed no 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 because if i I have the uh if i don't put any power on it it's not there i mean i can we can run 60 mile an hour or 80 mile an hour the vibration is not there it's when i put it under load That's almost one that you'd have to, you know, run it on the dyno and see what what's going on. Or we had it on a dyno uh, last week, and uh, we, we could not couldn't find it. Now could they replicate the problem? What's that? Could they could they make the problem happen on the dyno? Uh, problem is, you know, your truck rides so much rougher on the dyno. Um, uh, was not noticeable. How how old is how the, uh, the clutch in this truck? Uh, truck has not quite two million miles on it. We have uh, about one hundred and twenty thousand on a transmission clutch. Uh, differentials just gone through here. What December? Yeah, December grins were gone through. Has the crankshaft damper been replaced? Put a uh, Vibertech on it uh, five years ago. Okay, that's probably due again then. I thought the Vibertech was good for right at a a million. Nah, half a million. (laughs) Half a million on this. And about five years based on time as well. Do you think it could be that that clutch hasn't been in there that long? Did the 
did the vibration coincide with the new clutch and transmission? No, it, the vibration started here uh, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, and the clutch has been in there since February last year. Okay. How's the suspension look on this? Because we had one here the other, not too long ago, we started running it on the dyno, and a couple of the bushings were cracked in the in the rear. Um, and they, he just new had it from a shop, too. Yeah, we put new bushings in it uh, a year ago this past December, and... We had them all checked here again in December, and everything was still good. Hmm. Has anybody checked ride yeah. height <laughs> and ride name? Uh, 21 and 3 quarters uh, accumulated measure from the front to the back axle, left-hand side. Okay, so you have checked it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm still I'm still leaning toward I'm still leaning uh, leaning toward clutch up. I've seen quite often. I see a broken spring in a clutch up, uh, moves okay. around in there. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's where I'd look. Even uh, though it's fairly new, I wouldn't. Uh, you know, new parts are always suspect too. What do you feel about the lock clutch? Is it a lipe in there? Uh, I was thinking about putting a lipe in. Oh, we're 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 a lipe dealer. We like them a lot. That's a good, uh, simple, heavy-duty clutch. It works quite well. Uh, a little bit grabby, not not quite as linear as some of the others, but uh, you know once you get used to it, they're they're quite good, very durable. All right, with that, we're gonna have to wrap it up. Uh, we're all out of time. We are on the road heading to the Mid America Truck Show in Louisville. We'll be pulling into uh, the Expo Center sometime this evening. Looking forward to seeing everybody there. I want to remind you my seminar schedule. Every day of the show, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, first thing, 10 o'clock in the morning, I will be in the seminar room, uh, B104. So stop by every day at the beginning, join me, and uh, love to see you in there. Every day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we will be doing some live software demos in um, the truckstop.com booth. So we'll be demoing fuel gauges, profit gauges, uh, load pay, all the truckstop.com technology. So it'll be hands-on. You'll be able to ask a lot of questions. Uh, Stop by. That's 2 o'clock every afternoon in the truckstop.com booth. And then on Friday at 4.15, back in that uh, seminar room B104, we'll be doing a uh, health seminar as well all about adopting the ketogenic lifestyle on the road. We'll see you there. Thanks for joining me. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody. Thanks, and uh, we've got to get out of here. So we will see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. We'll be doing either two or three hours tomorrow. See you then. Thanks for tuning in to The Audio Road. If you have any questions, give us a call at 855-800-FUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Check out the website at letstruck.com and find us on facebook.com slash letstruck.